Some time ago, I talked to you about uh, just just momentarily how God is a God of details, and and uh, you know I, I want to elaborate on that this morning, if I might. Uh, uh, you know that God is a, a a God of details; that He is a strategic God, and uh, uh, the the an objective is probably to to uh, take a break from worry. If I can get you to take a break from worry, get you to take a break from being fearful and filled with anxiety, and and uh, uh, you know, in in order to do that, there has to be a hope in our life, and there has to be someone, something bigger in our lives than 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 you know, just our world, and. Uh, uh, you know, our God reigns, you know, and, and he really does. Uh, and we hope that, you know, that might somehow, uh, you know, reach a calmness in us. That uh, he is a hands-on God. Amen. So our first verse is, you have hedged me, me behind and before and laid your hand up on me. Sounds like we're surrounded, huh? Sounds like there is a divine touch that he does. Such knowledge is too wonderful me. It is high. I cannot attain it. We're always, you know, going to left, you know, with our jaws, you know, dropped open when we really catch a visual and an insight. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But every, but the very head, hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So the focus and the purpose of life is more than, you know, food and dress. God is looking, you know what I mean? Uh, he's looking at that too, all right? And uh, he doesn't want you worrying about that, okay? Look at the birds of the air that neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained... What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. All the sheep and the oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Amen. Taking a break from worry. God has called you to something, something great. Called you to life, to living. Something that you were designed for. 
You were knit together by heavenly loving Father. Your body, your personality, everything that we have, our sight, our smell, our taste, our hearing, our feeling, comes from a God who methodically went ahead and designed us a unique and a powerful way. You hear about the Big Bang Theory? Well, God actually took six days because he is a God of details, a God that's strategic, you know, a God that is hands-on. When I consider the work of your fingers, the passage read, the details of it, the very hairs of your head is going to be our primary passage of Scripture, are numbered. He says he knows every bird, and he cares for them, and so how much more does he care for you? It said that you go before me and you follow me and you place your hand of blessing upon my, my head. Are not two sparrows worth a copper coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will. Nor the very hair of your head are numbered. He uses the background here of sparrows and flowers. Things that have seemingly are insignificant and have short lifespans. When he talks about the sparrow, you know, in their cost, he is he's referencing a, an element of sacrifice. Poor people couldn't afford a a lamb couldn't afford an ox, and so they would purchase sparrows for their sacrifice. And they would invariably they would buy four sparrows, and because the sparrow was so insignificant and so so. Uh, uh, Valueless that if you bought four sparrows, the seller would throw in another one. We'd give you five because, you know what I mean? By and large, it's no cost to him. It's, it's almost, you know, worthless. So you get one free. And so in that backdrop, Jesus is given this value system. The one that seems insignificant. Conveying to you us that even the one that's insignificant, if it falls to the ground, God sees it and is watching over it. And so there is no one that is ever forgotten. No one is ever forgotten. Sparrows are very relationship, relational oriented. 
invariably you will always see them in, you know, large groups. I was driving on the road this past week and there was a, you know, literally hundreds of them. <laughs> and as I got near, they, you know, took off. And as soon as I got by, they returned to whatever it was that was a, attracting them. And so they're very social creatures. And, uh, you know, if you just see one, it's referencing loneliness. Loneliness. Because Psalms 102 and 7 says, I lie awake and I am like a sparrow alone on a rooftop. So your aloneness is of importance to God. The sparrow. The profound truth he's teaching us is that no one is insignificant to God. No one is insignificant to God. Even the momentary flowers that God is, knows are going to decay and fade very quickly. It isn't the shortness of the span of their life that he focuses upon, but he wants to lavish the time that they do have so that the beauty, the care, and the wonder you know, of the creator is seen. And then he says that, aren't you of more value than the sparrow and the flower because you are the crown of my creation. A message that he's trying to give to us is that God is interested in the big and the small things. That stuff in your life. He's interested more than just the highlights. Or in Matthew says, give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. First Peter 5 and 7, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Maybe the plight that you're in, you can't understand But did you know that every miracle in the Bible first started as a problem? It started as a problem. Hallelujah. Jesus counsels us in Matthew chapter 6 against worry. And he does it by highlighting how that God provides for the birds and the flowers and things that pass away quickly and seemingly are, you know, of little value. The Father knows that you have need of all these things. He says the only thing that you really need to be concerned about is your relationship with God. 
He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all else. And we, you know what I mean? We get so busy, you know, orchestrating the things that sometimes doesn't leave any time for the one single target that we really only have to keep our eye upon and seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all else will be added on to you. You'll be an active player in the all else without a doubt. You're not going to sit on some park bench, you know what I mean? And although there will be those days. When you seek the kingdom of God and your relationship with God and you're really concerned and interested about the progress of the kingdom, you know, all of a sudden, God says you're going to have ideas and you're going to have insights and there will be helpers and there will be divine, you know, encounters. You thought your mind come up with it. It didn't. Oh, God dropped it in there. He's interested in the specifics of people's lives. He's interested in the tears. Your hair. Yeah. Your hurts. Psalms 56 says, you've, you've kept count of all my tossings, those sleepless nights that you've had. Whatever the reason they may be, have been there. My wife had a dream the other night. It was way out. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, life can create a lot of dreams that just don't even add up. But even in that, he says, you know all my tossings. You put my tears in the bottle. Are they not all in your book? Had any tears lately? What was the reason for the tears? God has written them down. They have his attention. The hurts. You've had some hurts in your life. You're not going to get through life without hurts. But it says in Psalm 34 and 18, the Lord is near to those who hurt and have a broken heart. My. And though Jesus Christ was sent to save the lost and bridge the gap between God and man, he still took time to meet the immediate needs of people. He fed the 5,000. He healed the lepers. He went and touched the man's daughter and raised her from the dead. And he calmed the sea. And he went in ahead and visited a tax collector, Zacchaeus' house. Because he's significant to God. Well, the population and the people around said, why would you ever go there? Because there was no value put on tax collectors. But Jesus puts a value on 
tax collectors. <laughs> Psalms 139 says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, and how great is the sum of them. People might forget you. I might forget you. But God has not forgotten you. He says, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And then I wake up or from a dream, you're still with me. There is the story of Joseph's life and how strategic God is. And he, he spends about 30% of Genesis on Joseph's life. We might ask ourselves the question, why would he spend so much time on Joseph's life? Because he wants us to see some sightings of the sovereignty of God in the personal life of individuals, and which is not exclusive to Joseph, but to paint it out and to, to point to us. He spends 3% on creation. Between Adam and Noah, he spends 15% and Abraham 21% and Isaac 8% and Jacob 23% and then all of a sudden here's Joseph and he spends 30%. God's involvement. The very details, the strategicness, that, that the very birth order was God's plan. God remembered Rachel. Oh, I'll tell you, church. Those, those moments and times when, when, you know, it doesn't seem to be fruitful. In this case, it was the infertility of Rachel. Why? God withheld it because he has a hand in it. Joseph, even his romantic side, having loved Rachel more than Leah. I don't understand that all, but yet it is the case. His brother's jealousies, his brother's plots, the administration gifts that Joseph possessed from the Almighty God. Even the unjust judgment of Potiphar. Serving faithfully. Without really a blemish and yet, you know, passes a judgment that is not really fair. Timing of Pharaoh's dream. The famine. My. God has a purpose. We don't always see it. We don't always know it. We don't always understand it. But God has a purpose. He has a purpose for people in your life. And there's a people 
a purpose even for pain in your life. There's a purpose for the struggle sometimes that happens. You know what I mean? You know? God not only has a purpose for those things, but he also has a gift that's going to follow. He works all things together for, for good. Key is don't give up because you might be having some pain, you might be having some struggle, but there's a gift that's, that's designed. Strategically, and purposefully, and detailedly. So I will encourage you this morning to don't run away from your problems. Because Isaiah 66 and 9 says this. I will not cause pain without allowing something new to be born, says the Lord. I don't know if that hit home to you again, but I'm going to read again. I will not cause pain without allowing something new to be born, says the Lord. Bring it on. Now, we don't, we don't want to walk those valleys. We don't want to walk those things. But this wonderful, loving, mighty Savior You see, Hagar had some problems with her mistress, wouldn't be mistress, or her master and Sarah. I don't think they call them masters when it's a woman. I can't think of the word right now. But anyway, and so she ran. But she returned when she learned something. And she got out in the desert and the places and seemed like there was no, you know, options left but just death. God shows up. God shows up. And after she realizes it, she said with regard to God, you are a God who sees me. You are a God who sees me. Sometimes we, we don't know exactly what runs us off. But even if you run off, God still sees you. It's not uncommon when God is trying to make a champion out of you that he, you know, uh, he will bring to the surface, you know, what's under the surface. (laughs) See, Gideon was a man who was swamped in doubts. He was swamped in doubts. Even when he had the divine visitation, Communication and, and proclamation. He goes, 
You gotta be kidding me. And he can bring up, you know, point one, point two, point three, why, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> can give you a hundred reasons why I don't believe you. <laughs> Aren't you glad God sticks with us? Yeah. Amen. God sticks with us. Caught up in the paralysis of unbelief. And yet God sticks with his man. God sticks with his woman. God sticks with us. See, our biggest defeat is measuring our own strengths against our problems rather than God's strengths against them. Most of them are bigger than us but they're nothing in compared to God. When you surrender your circumstances to God, you will stop running. And you probably can't do that until you know how much God is involved and loves in your life. Lessons that we learn from the life of Gideon and the life of Joseph is that God knows what your days hold. God's the only one that can turn your mess into a message. Will you let him do it? He'll turn your mess into a message. He'll turn your test into a testimony. He'll turn your trial into a triumph and your victimness into victory. Now, those are just not cute little phrases. Those are the truth of God's word. Because his eye is on the sparrow. The famous singer George Beverly say, and I know He watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Why? Because he's I. Is on the sparrow that was insignificant. See, somebody might give you away because they don't see any value in it, but not God. Not God. Divine guidance is a promise that he gives. God doesn't disown us. He works through us. And he gives us the opportunity to get things right. That's the wonderfulness of God. He promises to turn your weaknesses into strength, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1.
Yes, there are times that God will screen things in your life. As he did in the life of Gideon. He screened the recruits of 32,000 down to 300. Now, I'm more comfortable with 32,000 in facing a battle. You know what I mean? But God's not necessarily all concerned about, you know, the comfort zone as he is about the glory zone. Somebody give the Lord a praise. Yeah, that's right. He says, wait a minute now. If I give you the victory with 32,000, who's going to? Take the glory. God is not trying to make equal playing fields, church. Hear it. I like equal playing fields. <laughs> the amazing game that was on, I don't know if you, if you saw it, Tom. Tom and I, I were talking about football, but yesterday Penn State and... Uh, was it, is it Ohio? Or, yeah, Ohio. Well, I shut the thing off. I mean, Penn State's going to win. There's just no, there's, I'm not going to, you know. I mean, so I <clears throat> wanted to check the news just in case, you know, something was interesting this morning. And there it pops up. Ohio State won. 38 to 39. Just in the, you know what I mean? Just, yeah, out of the blue. See, you don't have to win by a lot. All you got to do is win. (laughs) We always want to win by so much. And God says, you know what I mean? A win is a win. It's not an equal playing field that God is after. It's a glory playing field that he's after. Who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? It says that there's a glory, and the objective is, according to Isaiah 61 and 3, it says that he might be glorified. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Those five little words... It tell us a whole lot. Number one, it tells us the eternal perspective of God. That he's glorified. And it also tells us the energizing perspective for the saints. Why? So that he might be glorified. And when we get those two together, we will experience holy purpose and heavenly power. Holy purpose and heavenly power. Amen. What an amazing, wonderful God where we at time was. In the life of Gideon, God wasn't offended by his fleeces. Hallelujah. God wasn't offended by his fleeces. I'm hearing you, God. I understand, and you know, I'm, 
Uh, I'm almost there. <laughs> you know, my faith is, it's, it's a little improved, but it, it's not ready to really take on the mission that you've given me. I need some little, a little more confirmation and a little more affirmation. <laughs> Now I realize this morning how important faith is and you know what I mean and you know faith reaching those levels you know but sometimes we got to build our faith and if it takes a fleece to build it God is willing to go ahead into that dimension When you come out of the fleece, may your faith be stronger and build yourself up in the most holy faith. See, trouble is not a dead-end street. It's the beginning of something. Sometimes it might seem like God doesn't care about what's going on in your life. The disciples had the same thing. They're out on this, this sea, you know, doing the best that they can. And they weren't novices at it. And yet the sea was getting the best of them. Jesus is asleep. He's really confident in the Father. But it yet hadn't been translated to the disciples it wasn't that they weren't trying they were just missing one of the peas peas pieces you know to the equation that's all and that's sometimes where we're at we're just missing one single piece one little key to the equation that just will turn it all around and so those are moments of discovery they're not moments against you if God be for you we know God's for you it's moments of of discovery and so they they're just I mean they're frantic you wake him up and say Carest thou not that we perish? Does he care if you're perishing? Does he care if you're, you know, having trouble with the seas in your life? Are you not more valuable than that one significant sparrow? God's involved in your life because God gave us a close-up of Joseph's life because he wants to show us how active he is in both the good and the bad things that we experience. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good.
I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. See, God doesn't just give us what we can handle. God's, God helps us handle what has been given to us. Hallelujah. He gives us, you know what I mean? Helps so we can handle what has been given for uh, to us. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. You know. Don't get so concentrated on, you know what I mean? Your inability to handle it. Know that I'm going to assist you with my own self so that you can you can handle it. Call on to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know of. Does life feel like it's in neutral for you? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. You feel like maybe you're stuck in neutral? If you feel that way this morning, the problem is not that you don't love God enough. No. Whoa. Isn't that the most important thing? I'm sorry. That's not it. The biggest problem in people's lives is that they don't know how much God loves them. And in that scenario, we wear ourselves out trying to meet the things we think God demands. But until we can grasp how much God loves us, we'll be operating, you know what I mean, in a more is going out than what is coming in. God loves us. Jesus is a man of miracles without a doubt. He's a man that extraordinary teachings, powerful miracles, and you know, Remembered for all those, but you need to remember this morning too that he gives fresh fish, bread for breakfast, and there's always a meal ready for your empty nights. Always a meal sitting on the shore for your empty nights. So let me take the details of God from Matthew 10 and 13. The very hairs of your head are numbered. Because this is life's hope. 
When he says the very hairs of your head are numbered, there is, a, there is an, an element, and I'm not a, an English major, and I don't understand it, so I have to go on the wisdom of those that are, you know, have insight into that, and if they're wrong, then they're wrong, not me, okay? <laughs> but it actually means pluperfect, P-L-U slash perfect. He's saying that before the worlds were made... Your hairs were numbered. (laughs) That God would care for our lives in such an intimate detail should really bring contentment in our hearts. See, this is not about God keeping a ledger. About a God keeping a ledger of our good and our bad deeds. Because you know the Bible says if he did, nobody could stand. Psalms 130 says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. (laughs) Hallelujah. What is he? He's about forgiveness. He's about forgiveness. Yes. God knows us better than we know ourselves. It says that God goes before us to make sure we stay on track. Psalms 139.5 says, You hem me in behind and before. My. He knows what you're thinking. Psalms 139 and 4. Every word that's on my tongue, he he knows. He knows what's producing that. Did you catch that? He's not, he doesn't know it just to see if you're going to mess up. Well, he knows it because he wants to help you so you don't mess up. Until you know how much God loves you, you will be challenged to love God. You will. God is not a bystander. He's active in your life. Where can I go from the Spirit of the Lord? Where can I flee from His presence? He begins to talk about all of the places. So many times we think it's, we're trying to hide from God. No, God's trying to show us, you know what I mean? That wherever you go, even there your hand will lead me. See, when you put that in there, that shows that he's not out after you. He's trying to lead you. Even there, his hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. 
I think that our prayer should be not just... Let me get it right. Not just for his presence, but our prayer should be that we will be mindful of his presence. Hallelujah. Because he is there. He is there. That's what he said. I am there. I am here. And the more you recognize that he is there, the more you're going to feel his presence. The knowledge of God, the foresight of God, the knowledge of God. That's what we see in this passage of scripture. Nothing perplexes God. He says, you know my sitting down and my rising up, my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Nothing perplexes God. The truth of the matter is that it's not just about information. It's about transformation. Why does he know all of that? And then value, how much value? Husbands and wives, have you ever counted the hairs in your spouse's head? Oh, see, because it's no interest, no value to me. Ha! It is to God. It has significance to God. Doesn't waste things. He's not just doing it. He's trying to let us know. The love of God is greater far. Then tongue or pen could ever tell. It says the least portion of you is precious to him. Isaiah 43, you're precious in my sight. Jesus himself said in John 17, he says that the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Now, that you got to get a hold of that one, but that's what it says. He loves you just as much as he loves love Jesus and loves Jesus. God has said... Your value is that you are worth a son to me. I'd ask my musicians to come. You are worth a son to me. You are worth a son to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life.
life independent of Jesus Christ is on a perishing track. But every life, you know what I mean, found in Jesus Christ is on a heavenly track. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Yes, you are worth a son to me. And then he goes on and tells us that not only, you know, this all-knowing and this valuation, but preservation. He says that not one hair of your head will be lost. You say, well, Pastor, I've lost a few. Well, I, he knows where they're at. Well, that's what he said in Luke chapter 21. Notice what he says. Even though you're betrayed by your parents, your brothers, and your relatives, sometimes family just don't get it. Your friends. And some, he says, on the mission of the gospel are going to lose their life. Do you see that? Habakkuk said this. Though the fig tree may not blossom... Nor fruit be in the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail. In other words, there's just no olive oil coming after all this work. The field yield no fruit, though the flock be cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls. I mean, that's pretty bleak. It's pretty empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in God because he is my salvation. (laughs) Who's going to come? Hallelujah. To the rescue. That's right. It can look just like, you know what I mean? It ain't stretching. But it always stretches. (laughs) It does. It always stretches. There's some tremendous reasons. And I want to close with this this morning. God said to Pharaoh through Moses, He said, Not one hoof shall be left behind. Not one head of your hair is going to be lost. (laughs) 430 years of slavery, but when God gets ready to turn the tables for his kids... Not one hoof will be left behind. Because he loves you.
so much that he gave a son for you. Now here's the, the thing is your value and your importance is undeniable. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The excellency of power may be of God and not of us. How many know that there's an investment in you by the Almighty? You are holding an extremely valuable treasure. Extremely valuable treasure. The dynamic force that is to develop and drive and produce that Christian life in us comes from the content and not the vessel. Comes from the content and not the vessel. The power comes from the treasure. Rather, from, rather than from the human in whom the treasure dwells. Just as the fragrance from the flower, the fragrance comes from the flower and not from the clay pot. Stand with me this morning. I hope somehow that Some of it's made some sense. Perspective. You want love God the way that you want to until you know how much God loves you. How much God loves you details so much that the hairs of your head are important to God. And you are of more value than many sparrows. It would be my wish and my hope that love that you could experience love through the contact of people but sometimes as people we come short and fall short in the demonstration of that love but if people have come short And you haven't felt it like you need to feel it. Would you just go ahead and listen to what God says, what he's done and what he's demonstrated. Not only in the past, but in, in the present. His love. His love. His love. Father, this morning, I pray for a comprehension. I pray for an invasion.
invasion into our the very innermost parts of our thinking and our assessments Lord Jesus and that all that happens in life and, and then that doesn't happen will not cloud the realities of the truth Lord of your love involvement in and for our lives I thank you that you are a God of details in our lives because Lord it's the details that overwhelm us it's the details that often cause us to feel like we're drowning and so Lord this morning we do not have to awaken you but we do summon you for the divine intervention so they might know the great love with which you has loved them we ask it all in Jesus wonderful name amen all right love one another praise God go with God he's gonna go with you and Lord bless you and keep you